It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, Internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And welcome into the Virtual Bible Study. We are live. It is February 15th. We're ready to go. We're glad that you've made the Virtual Bible Study a part of your night tonight. We look forward to hearing from you. The number calls 931-381-4567 or email questions at collegeview.com. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is away preaching in Vernon, Alabama tonight. And so we'll be without him tonight, but we're glad you've joined us on the program tonight. We want to talk about our relationship to our jobs tonight, our work. We live in a society that places a premium on leisure and recreation. Work has become a four-letter word to many in our society, and work is something that should be avoided at all costs. Our society places those who have arrived as those who are at a level who have amassed enough money to be able to cease from working and to live a life of relaxation. That's the person who has arrived in our society. We want to examine that view of work tonight on the program and look at what the Bible tells us about our relationship to our jobs and to our work. We want to hear from you tonight. What do you think about work? Should it be a part of a Christian's life? 931-381-4567 is the number to call. Questions at collegeview.com is the email address to use. We're looking forward to your comments and your participation on the virtual Bible study tonight. Joining me here in the studio to help with our discussion, Mike Johnson is here. Mike is a member of the College View Church of Christ. Hello, Mike. Hello, Jacob. Good to be here with you tonight. And also one of our elders, uh, Arthur Haynes, is here. Hello, Mr. Haynes. Pleasure to be here. Good to be with you tonight. And joining us on the Internet tonight, we have a virtual guest, Phil Hunt from Nashville is here. Hello, Phil. Hello, Jacob. How are you? Good. Glad you're here with us on the Internet tonight. Well, we want to hear from you. What do you think about work? As we said, many in our society believe it is a, uh, a idea and something that is less than desirable, that if you have to work, you're somehow less important than others. Uh, that you are, have not arrived as others have arrived if you still have to work. And the, the, the objective of your life is to pile up enough money where you can quit working and you can just sit back and relax and spend away, spend away your days on this earth in a, a mode of relaxation. What do you think about that? Do you think that's a biblical concept? Let us know your thoughts. 931-381-4567 or questions at collegeview.com. You know, as we look at uh, work in the Bible, Mike, it's clear that work is not a bad thing. It's not bad when we read about work in the Bible. Work is not something that was dreaded or thought of as bad. You know, it's uh, interesting. It didn't take God very long to introduce the, the, the concept of work, uh, you know, from, from the very origins of the earth, starting in Genesis 2.15, uh, you know, where it says that, uh, uh, and the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. So that was his responsibility, starting just after the creation was finished. All right, so we see there a principle, uh, Brother Haynes, that uh, God made us to be workers. That was part of God's design, is for us to be working. And in that uh, Garden of Eden setting, we see that God had put work in front of Adam uh, to dress it and to keep it. 
You know, and it's very interesting, as you pointed out, that's just right after he created man and woman. He put them in that garden to dress and to keep it work to be done. All right, and notice the, that that scenario, that situation there in the Garden of Eden, uh, when God looked at everything he had made in verse one, uh, chapter 1, verse 31, he said that it was good. And so we understand then that work isn't a bad thing. Instead, it's a good thing. It's the way that we are designed. We are designed to be workers, and we need to understand that concept. And then, Phil, as we look at work as it's presented in the Bible, it's presented as a virtuous thing, not something that should be avoided or looked down upon, but instead the Bible paints work as a virtuous uh, activity. Well, it definitely is, and we talked about in the Garden of Eden. And it's interesting, some people think that man didn't have to work until he sinned. Uh, That's not true. Man did have to work before he sinned. We are told afterwards, after they sinned, that Adam would labor uh, by the sweat of his face. Um, but there was work beforehand, and when we when you look at the book of Proverbs, uh, it's interesting. There are several places that talk about work, and it is described as something that is good. It's not something to be demeaned. Uh, work is something that is virtuous, something that is approved. For example, in Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 11, the writer says, "He that tilleth his land shall be satisfied with bread, but he that followeth vain persons is void of understanding. He that tilleth his land shall be satisfied with bread." Proverbs chapter 12, later on in verse 24, says, The hand of the diligent shall bear rule, but the slothful shall be under tribute. Very positive things are said about work here in the book of Proverbs. Um, We understand that Solomon wrote a lot of those Proverbs, and Solomon was well off, but he understood the importance of work, Jacob. Exactly. You know, we could go look at numerous passages in the book of Proverbs where work is painted as a good thing, that being diligent is a positive being a sluggard is a negative thing, as presented in the book of Proverbs, Proverbs 13, verse 4. The soul of the sluggard desireth and hath nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made fat. Down in verse 11 of Proverbs 13, wealth gotten by vanity shall be diminished, but he that gathereth by labor shall increase. And so over and over again, the Bible paints work as being a virtuous thing, something that is not a negative that should be avoided. Like our society teaches, Mike, our society throughout uh, different aspects of our society, we're told that work is a negative thing. Work is something that should be avoided, should be dreaded, and that is not pleasurable. Shouldn't We shouldn't have any pleasure in our work. The Bible says just the opposite of that. Exactly right. You know, I think of Second Timothy 3, 4, and I think of uh, uh, as far as it relates to today where it talks about uh, where people are lovers of pleasure more, more than lovers of God. One of the things I wanted to point out, is uh, you know oftentimes you'll see studies done and they'll come up with uh, uh, even though people are at work they might not be putting forth the effort uh, and they talk about uh, how much uh, you know time uh, people might waste uh, of the company's time uh, using email for personal email personal phone calls using personal things like that you know really I guess you could look at that as being robbery from that company because you know they're paying you to work for them and not not, not to do your personal time uh, and and personal work and things like that. Yeah, but thanks. When you, uh, Phil referred to it a while ago, said something about the uh, wealth that Solomon had, I dare say when you start looking at the book of Ecclesiastes and all the wealth that Solomon had, and he being one who had this kind of wealth, and he was the one talking about work. If there's anyone who wouldn't have never had to do any physical work, he would have been one to have done, not been, not done that. But here he is a man with all this wealth and all this uh, all these uh, people that could work for him and him never work, but 
Here he is the one talking about work, the need to work. He still saw the, the value of work. In spite of the fact that he was so wealthy that he wouldn't have ever had to work at all, he still understood the value of work because God designed us to be working, as we see back all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Absolutely right. All right. The number to call is 931-381-4567. The email address to use is questions at collegeview.com. We want to hear from you on the program tonight. What do you think about work? What do you think about our relationship to work? We'd like to hear from you on the virtual Bible study tonight. We see that uh, work has very many benefits. There's great satisfaction that can become from our work, Mike, uh, that uh, we can have uh, great satisfaction as a result of our labors. Exactly right, Jacob. Ecclesiastes 5.12, Brother Haynes just mentioned Solomon. Uh, Here in Ecclesiastes 5.12 in the King James Version, it says, The sleeper of of a laboring man is sweet. Uh, whether he eateth little or much, but the abundance of the rich will not suffer him to sleep. Basically referring to uh, the rich has so many material things to worry about, uh, you know, and 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 things like that uh, that oftentimes it causes uh, you know causes more harm than good. Exactly right. What do you think? Nine three one three eight one four five six seven or questions at collegeview.com. So there is great satisfaction that can come from our labors, and work also keeps us from temptation, Brother Haynes. Uh, if we're busy working. It'll keep us from sin that we might fall into, and that's a benefit from work that uh, we need to take advantage of as Christians to help us keep from sinning. You know, we've heard that statement, you know, uh, what is it, uh, idle mind is the devil's workshop, which is very true. That idle mind is just uncontrollable, and that therefore it's need be that we keep that mind occupied in doing physical work, what we're put here to do. That's right. We see in uh, first, Second Thessalonians chapter 3, beginning of verse 7. Second Thessalonians chapter 3, beginning of verse 7. For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us. We were not idle when we were with you. We did not eat anyone's bread without pain, but with toil and labor we worked night and day that we might not burden any of you. It was not because we have not that right, but to give you in our conduct an example to imitate. For even when we were with you, we gave you this command, If anyone will not work, let him not eat. For we hear that some of you are living in idleness, mere busybodies, not doing any work. Now such persons we command and exhort in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work in quietness and to earn their own living. Brethren, do not be weary in well-doing. Jacob, what's going to happen to that man don't work then? He's going to be violating the commands of God. And what can he not do? He can't eat. That's right. So what's going to happen to a person that don't eat? He's going to get pretty skinny. <laughs> and uh, But, uh, you know, the, the, the idea here is presented. There were people who were misbehaving. They were not living as they should. And why were they doing that? Because they weren't working. And Paul says to remedy the problem, what you need to do is get back to work. And if you'll do this work, you won't be a busybody. You won't uh, be committing these sins. Instead, you'll be living like God wants you to live. And so that's the benefit for work for us as well. It'll keep us from those sins that we need to be avoiding. Many times in today's society, it seems as though that laziness would be rewarded with uh, certain uh, welfare programs and things like that. Is that the more that uh, uh, you know that people uh, uh, stay out of work and they they find different ways uh, uh, to, to stay out of work and, and make money off uh, certain programs and things like that. If they were to to turn that effort around, as much money or as much time and effort they that they put forth in trying to avoid work and put it put forth uh, maybe doing work, uh, they might find themselves in a little better position. It seems. All right, uh, Phil, we're talking about the fact that uh, this this work will keep us out of uh, trouble, will keep us away from certain temptations that we might fall prey to. We need to understand the benefit of that in our lives as we're trying to live a life free from sin. Work actually is a benefit to us. It will help us to keep from some of those sins. 
And sorry we got uh, disconnected there for a little bit. Uh, but, yeah, you're right. If, if you're busy working, um, and specifically tonight we're talking about job work, if you're busy working, you don't have time to do things that are immoral. You don't have time, time to do things that are evil. Um, that's, that's one of the benefits sometimes of sometimes uh, kids having full school schedules. They just don't have time to get in trouble. And, and the same thing is true with people who aren't in school anymore. If you stay busy, you don't have time um, to be like is described in 1 Timothy 5.13 about being gossips and busybodies and doing things that you ought not do because you're just too busy doing things that you ought to do. Um, if you spend your time doing things that you ought to do, by definition, by default, you no longer have time to do things that you ought not do. And so that I think that is definitely a benefit to work because it really reduces the amount of temptation that we can encounter uh, when we keep ourselves busy. All right, and uh, over in First Timothy chapter 5, the instruction about uh, taking widows into the number and those that were younger were told that, uh, that they shouldn't be taken into the number because uh, verse 13 of First Timothy chapter 5, and with all they learned to be idle, wandering about from house to house, and not only idle, but tattlers also and busybodies speaking things which they ought not. And so these younger widows were warned that if they're not working, they'll be engaged in these types of sins. And so the res- answer to that problem and the solution to that was for them to marry and to be- get busy doing uh, the work of a-, of a woman and a wife and a mother. And so we see again that uh, work helps keep us from those sins that we might fall prey to. What do you think about work tonight as we talk about it on the virtual Bible study? We'd like to hear from you. The number to call is 931-381-4567 or email questions at collegeview.com. So we see that work provides us satisfaction that riches and luxuries cannot afford. It keeps us from temptations from which we might fall, and it also provides for our needs. Mike, we see that the purpose of work and a benefit of work is to provide for our needs and that's something, as you mentioned, our society doesn't place a premium on that. There's no shame involved with not providing for your needs. But the Bible very clearly tells us that we should provide for our own needs, and we do so by being active in work. Absolutely. In First uh, Timothy 5.8, uh, uh, there, Jacob, in the King James Version, it says, But if any provide not for his own, and specifically uh, for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel, that to me shows that God does not take this very lightly, is that uh, if you're in charge of your house, then you're expected to, uh, to, to provide for your own household. And Brother Haynes, that uh, is very clear, that we need to be providing for our own. It's a very shameful and a very sinful thing if we refuse to do that. You know, I can uh, rather vaguely remember a story that uh, an individual had told me a number of years ago, and I don't have all the details to it, but... Anyway, he was, uh, this individual was working for a very wealthy man. You might say a rich person, without a doubt. And, uh, he was just doing some minor thing there, and, uh, the rich person was talking to him, and, and he just said, you know, he said, I just really wished that I could be in your position and you in mine. You know, so you can just see, you know, that his riches, you know, did not bring him happiness, and he, no doubt, by having those riches, had a lot of time on his hands, wasn't working. Therefore, he could see how that happiness wasn't in having those riches and uh, just getting somebody else to wait on him hand and foot because he wanted to trade places where that individual was working for him was just making, you know, very uh, small amount of money. Well, you look at uh, look at rich people in our society today, specifically look at the entertainers and the and the, the movie stars that are portrayed in the media constantly. You see a happy person there. You don't often see a happy 
wealthy person. You see a lot of misery and a lot of sorrow, and uh, believe that that's closely tied into their wealth and their and their success is because they have all these riches. There's not happiness there. We're designed to be workers and laborers. We're not designed to be served hand and foot, as many have the, the, the funds to allow for that, and we see that they're unhappy as a result. What do you think about work? What do you think the Christian's relationship to work should be? We want to hear from you on the virtual Bible study tonight. We'll take a short break. When we come back, we'd like to take your questions or comments. You can participate in the program tonight by dialing 931-381-4567 or by emailing questions at collegeview.com. Stay tuned. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. You won't want to miss what we talk about next. The discussion continues right after these important messages. I'm Greg Gwynn, a host of the Virtual Bible Study. Thanks for joining us for tonight's program. The Virtual Bible Study is presented weekly by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Each week on the Virtual Bible Study, we simply engage in the study of God's Word in an effort to better understand it, better understand how God views us, and better understand what He wants from us in our lives. We're not studying any creeds. We're not studying any books written by men. We're just studying the Bible. And we're trying to study the Bible alone without any of our opinions or wisdom mixed in. We're only interested in what our Creator has revealed to us in his word. We realize that we're fallible and cannot direct our own steps. As a result, what we think or feel doesn't really matter. All that matters is what God has said. So that's what the virtual Bible study is all about. It's pretty simple, isn't it? Thanks again for joining us tonight, and we will hope you'll make plans to join us every Thursday night for the virtual Bible study. I'm Arthur Haynes from Kaleoka, Tennessee, and one of my greatest highlights of the week is to listen to the virtual Bible study. We're waiting to hear from you. Call in right now and join in on the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to the virtual Bible study tonight, and thank you again for joining us. We'd like for you to participate in the program as we talk about our relationship to our jobs and to our work tonight on the virtual Bible study. The number to call is 931-381-4567. The email address to use is questions at collegeview.com. We've talked about the fact that work is not a bad thing when it's presented in the Bible. Instead, it's just the opposite. It's presented as a virtuous thing, a thing with many benefits. We can have satisfaction through our work that riches and luxuries do not afford, keeps us from some temptations to which we might fall. It helps to provide for our needs. And finally, another benefit that we get from work is a benefit that many in our society do not take advantage of, but a primary purpose for for work, Phil, is to provide for the needs of others. That's a benefit of work that by being industrious, by being workers, we can have the resources available to help those who are in need, and that's something we should take advantage of. Well, sometimes people look at people who do work hard and say, well, you're just evil and greedy. Um, but if they're following biblical principles, one of the reasons that we do work is to give to those who, who do have need, uh, people who uh, have come on hard times or people who are unable to work for some reason. And we're told that, that there were apparently some people in Ephesus uh, that had stolen. And they were told in chapter 4 and verse 28, Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor working with his hands the thing which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. See, the fact is, you can't help somebody. You can't help somebody who's going through a hard time if you don't have the resources to do it. The way you get the resources to do that is through work. It's not through theft. Uh, and obviously, if you don't have a job, you're not going to get that, those resources to help people. So one of the ways that God provides for people who are in need, both Christians and not, are for individuals to work and give to those who, who have uh, such needs. For example, in Galatians 6.10, we're told to do good to everybody, especially those of the household of faith. 
That's an individual thing. That's one reason we work, is to give to those who have need. If we don't work, we will not have the resources to be able to do that thing to fulfill uh, that command, Jacob. All right, exactly. You know, that needs to be an objective as we work, Mike, to put ourselves in a position that we have the resources that are needed to help those who are needy. Uh, that's a that's a benefit of work that we need to be taking advantage of. Absolutely, I think it's a great point. Uh, you know that uh, that that Phil and uh, that feeling you made is that working is not gathering everything to us and and, and keeping it all uh, and everything, but work is to uh, is to provide for our needs and then to look for other people. You know that that we can certainly help and certainly it'd be a whole other show to talk about. And you know. Uh, and, you know in what capacity should we help others and, and, and things like that. But it shouldn't be all about, you know, uh, I want to work so I can keep everything for myself. Yeah, someone has said that uh, the American motto is to get all you can and can all you get. And uh, you pile it up for yourself so that you can enjoy all the luxuries and benefits that uh, money can buy. Simply not what the Bible teaches. And Jacob, talking about that, you know, you the need for work in, in order to help others, I was thinking of the verse in Proverbs 23 and verse 4, he says, Labor not to be rich, cease from thine own wisdom. This is a different kind of work. What was the motive of that work in the part of that individual? It wasn't to help others. It was just to accumulate for himself and not to work in order to be rich, to accumulate this world's goods, but to be able to help others. And it is one's own wisdom if he just desires to hoard up all that money just so that in his latter days possibly just do nothing and retire even from the work of the church. Exactly right. We won't find pleasure and we won't find fulfillment from the things that money will buy and if we're working just to pile up those riches for ourselves to enjoy and to use on ourselves we're not going to be happy we can look at the people around us who have tried to find out that that is the case you know in acts chapter 20 paul made the statement in verse 34 beginning ye yourselves know that these hands have ministered unto my necessities and to them that were with me i have showed you all things how that so laboring you ought to support the weak and to remember the words of the lord jesus who said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And that's an excellent example that Paul leaves for us there, Phil, is that we should work so that we can give because it is more blessed to give than to receive. Yeah, I think a lot of the, a lot of the issues that we run into in our society is that we view ownership of material resources as our own exclusively. And we don't necessarily view them the way we ought to, and that is the fact that God owns everything. And anything we do would be simply managing what God already owns. And I think when we disassociate um, absolute ownership uh, from material goods, we'll be uh, more giving, that we will be more willing to, to give, and we'll see that it is more blessed to give than to receive. Uh, I'm afraid that sometimes we don't keep material resources and work in its proper context. Uh, God uses our work. Uh, to provide for ourselves and those that, that depend on us and, and to help those who do have need. And I think when we look at it as uh, God using work to accomplish those ends rather than I'm working to accomplish, to accumulate all the, these goods for myself that I can just uh, enjoy life and, and, and spend it all on myself. You know, Phil, though, the, the, the society we live in, though, tells us that we've got to be saving for retirement, that you've got to be working as hard as you can to put away as much money as you can into your 401ks and your IRAs and pile it all up for yourself, and you can expend all of your of your income and not have anything left to help those who are in need. Exactly the opposite of what the Bible tells us. So, 
Yeah, that's right. It's it's absolutely right to plan for the future. That that's a those are biblical principles. But when we're focused so much on retirement and four hundred one k's and Roth IRAs and all these different retirement um, vehicles that we don't have resources to give to those who have need now, we're neglecting part of the work that God has for us to do. We're to take care of people who have need, and that's just not years down the road whenever we retire. Exactly, exactly. We need to be doing that now, and Mike, and that needs to be our objective. You know, in the verse that you read there, Jacob, in Acts uh, 20, uh, where Paul was saying, I think you make a, a, a very critical word that sometimes we get mixed up here, where it says, uh, in hands of ministered unto my necessities, talking about his needs. And many times today we get mixed up between needs and wants, and and so many people think you know God, God has promised to uh, to give us everything that we need to sustain life, not not everything that we want. You know, we, many times we think that oh well you know um, I need a new car. Well no, you may want a new car, right. but you know what what you need is just reliable transportation, et cetera. And we, we could go on with that, but you know, many times in society needs and wants are, are 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 mixed up. Well you know it's a it's a sliding scale too because if you don't have any kind of vehicle, you need uh, some some kind of vehicle. And once you have a car that runs, you need a car that runs a little bit better. And goes down the road a little bit smoother. And then once you have one of those, you need something with a cleaner interior or a shinier paint job. And so it just our needs seem to just sort of shift up as we go. And we got to be careful, as you said, we got to bring that back down and realize that we're not just trying to amass all of these possessions for ourselves, but we're trying to amass them so we can use them in God's service. Bill. Well, I think you make a good point. I think it goes back to the idea of keeping things in context, keeping work in context, keeping uh, resources in context. The fact is God owns everything, and it is our job to obey him and how we manage what he has entrusted to us. And one of the things that we must be willing to do is provide for those who have need. So the fact is... I mean, if you carry um, car payments like crazy and you're constantly paying banks, uh, you won't have money to give to those who have need. See, whenever you consume on yourself and you spend so much on yourself that, um, that you've got to have the latest and greatest everything, when you spend all that on yourself, you won't have money or other resources to give to people who have need of those things. We need to be content with what we have and then be willing to help those who have need. That is a biblical principle. And if you have any comments about that, any questions, we would love to hear from you tonight. The number calls 931-381-4567. Send us an email to questions at collegeview.com. We want your participation in the program tonight. Remember, as we talk about work, a primary objective of work that we need to be striving for is so that we can have to give to him that needeth, Ephesians 4, verse 28. And as Paul said, that we should work laboring to support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said it is more blessed to give than to receive. That's the primary objective of our work. We need to remember that as we live in a society that places a premium on amassing possessions for yourself to provide yourself all of the luxuries that this life can afford with little consideration for those who are in need. What do you think about work and our relationship to it as Christians? 931-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com are the ways you can participate in the program tonight. Mike? You know, Jay, as we've been discussing this, I was thinking, you know, as we talk about, uh, you know, God providing for our needs and things like that, you, know, you remember back in, in Exodus when, uh, you know, the children of Israel, Moses was leading them through the through the wilderness and, and how he provided manna for them. However, one of the things to keep in mind is that, you know, when they got up in the morning, uh, you know, was was everything prepared on their on their kitchen table there? You know, was the bread and the cakes, were, was the dough already kneaded and baked and things like that? 
Well, no, when they got up, they had to go outside and gather it, bring it in, and then work and 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 make it into in, in, into whatever they were going to have. So, even though God will will provide for our needs, there still there still has to be effort on our part. There has to be work on our part to go out and to use what what God is going to supply us with in, in order to uh, in order to get those needs met. All right, what do you think? Nine three one three eight one four five six seven or questions at collegeview.com. We have an email from Randy in Missouri, Phil. Randy asks the question, should churches allow membership to people who are involved in sinful occupations? We've talked about the fact that we should be working. Randy's question is, what about people who are involved in sinful occupations? Perhaps a person who owns a bar, for instance. What about that, Phil? What do you think? Well, that's a a great question. And it's important whenever you uh, look at whether you're going to be in fellowship with someone to see, uh, to get a little little bit of information about them. See, a lot of churches now will... Uh, say, okay, you want to be a member here? That's that's great, come on. Um, but sometimes, well, not sometimes, we do need to look and see a little bit about the person's background, get to know them a little bit. And the church at Corinth uh, was involved in maintaining fellowship with a man who was clearly engaged in sinful behavior. Uh, this particular man in 1 Corinthians 5 had his father's wife in a, in a sinful way. Um, and Paul condemns that, the fact that they maintained fellowship with them, that they had not withdrawn themselves from them, and even uh, that they were proud about their association with him. Um, I think we can use that illustration uh, to see that if there's someone who's living in sin, uh, for example, if you're profiting uh, from running a bar, um, We've, you all have talked about on other programs, alcohol, is consumption of alcohol uh, wrong? We believe that you, know, you could not, in good conscience, run a bar and be a faithful child of God at the same time. Okay, so should a church include a man like that in their fellowship? I would say, based on 1 Corinthians 5, that we could not, that a church could not maintain fellowship with a man who continued uh, to engage in owning that bar. Well, Phil, what we say here is the principle that we need to be working, but it also has to line up with the other commands of God's Word. We can't violate God's other commands in order to work to provide for our needs of our family. So we couldn't do things like sell drugs or, uh, you know, uh, do other illegal activities or things that are violation of God's will in order to provide for our family. Mike, uh, Randy's question goes on. He says, is it okay for a mother of small children to work and put her children in child care? What if it, what if it is so the family can have more luxuries like a new car or vacation or a bigger home? What do you think about a woman putting her children in child care so that she can have the luxuries, the family can enjoy the luxuries that more money and a bigger income can provide? Well, I think obviously, and what Phil said uh, in previous to this is certainly correct. You know, when you look at what the Bible states, you know, in Titus two, uh, chapter five, uh, speaking of the woman's, uh, you know, responsibility, the wife's responsibility, uh, you know, it talks about you know what her primary work focus is, and that is to be discreet, uh, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. I would have to say, if it were the clear. Uh, uh, if it were the clear effort of her working so that they could keep up a certain lifestyle, obviously I think that that would violate Titus 2.5. If there were something, um, a, maybe an, an extenuating circumstance 
which happens from time to time, but I think we can say that a large majority of the time when uh, when women work and place their children in daycare, there are not extenuating circumstances other than wanting to keep up a certain lifestyle. Uh, in, uh, for example, keeping up with the Joneses, having the nice cars and the nice house and the nice clothes, uh, things like that. All right. Your comments may evoke some emails. We'd like to hear from you. What do you think? 931-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. Yes. First uh, Timothy 5, verse 14, he says, I will therefore that the younger women marry, bear the children, guide the house, give none occasion of the adversary to speak reproachfully. So here he says the younger women are to marry, bear the children, guide the house. How can one guide the house if they're not there? All right. Very good points. And so some things to think about. Thank you for your email, Randy, and thank you for listening to the virtual Bible study. We want to hear from you. What are your thoughts? We've brought up some uh, new topics about work. What about a woman working outside the home? What about a woman putting her children in child care so that, that she can provide for the luxuries that money can afford? What do you think about that? What do you think about a relationship to work? Let us know your thoughts. The number to call is 931-381-4567. Email address to use is questions at collegeview.com. We're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back. Stay tuned. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after these messages. Enjoying the Virtual Bible Study? Email a friend during this break and tell them to join in on the discussion. There's more exciting Bible study after this commercial. Hey, Matt. No, I don't have any plans for Friday night. What are you doing? Oh, I won't be able to go with you to watch that movie. Because, Matt, the movie is rated R. Hey, why don't you just come over and hang out at my house Friday night? Great, I'll see you there. Being pleasing to God means that you may have to be different than the crowd. But don't be afraid to stand up for what's right. It just might find that it's easier than what you expect. A message brought to you by College U Church of Christ. I'm Troy Smith, and now I'm 13 years old. I'm Mike Smith. I'm Troy's dad, and we love to listen to the Virtual Bible Study every Thursday night. Quit checking your email. The commercials are over, and the Virtual Bible Study is ready to roll. Take it away, guys. Welcome back to the Virtual Bible Study tonight, and we're glad you made it a part of your Thursday night. We want to remind you this program is brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. We meet in Columbia, Tennessee. If you're in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to come and worship with the College View Church of Christ at your earliest convenience. We meet on Sunday mornings at 9.30 for a period of Bible study with classes for all ages, followed by a period of worship at 10.30. And then on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock, we meet for another period of worship. On Wednesday night in the middle of the week at 7 o'clock, we meet for another period of Bible study, again with classes for all ages. You'd be welcome at any of these services. We encourage you to come and worship with the College U Church of Christ. If you have questions about what the College U Church of Christ is all about, you can find out more information about us on our website, collegeview.com, or you can call us anytime at 931-381-4567. We hope you'll make plans to come and worship with the College U Church of Christ at your earliest convenience. We're talking about work on the virtual Bible study tonight and our relationship to it as Christians. What do you think about work? We've talked about women. What do you think about women working outside of the home? What do you believe the Bible says about that? We're going to talk in a little bit about retirement. What do you think about retirement based on what we've said about work tonight? What do you think our attitude should be towards retirement? We'd like to hear your thoughts about that. And we'd like to hear what you think about our relationship to work, why we should work, 
and what are the benefits of work that you see to us as Christians. Let us know your thoughts at 931-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. Mike in Columbia has sent in an email. He says, each one of us has probably known someone who has worked in a job which we would call an ungodly job. For example, I knew a Christian in Illinois who worked at a publishing company that published pornographic magazines. He lived in a small town, and this company was one of the larger employers in the city. He must have realized that God was not pleased with him, but he probably rationalized that he needed this job to support his family. What should we say to him to convince him to change jobs? Anyone have any comments about that? Mike? I think what we're looking at there, if if that were to be allowed to continue, then that would be definitely what we would refer to as situation ethics, where the end sometimes justifies the means uh, and everything on that. Uh, however... You know, I would think that you know God God has promised to provide for us, and certainly there are there might be times where where we would have to to, to quit a certain job for for whatever reason. Uh, maybe they might change our work schedule to where we have to miss services. Uh, maybe they might take on uh, uh, such as this. Maybe he or someone is working somewhere, and maybe they take on a, a business where uh, you know where they start producing pornographic magazines or something like that. I think God would provide uh, for that. Uh, it's certainly not an easy situation. I'm certainly not. Glossing that over, but you're saying if that person were to quit, you believe that God would provide for their needs. He's promised if we're putting Him first and we quit a job because we're trying to serve Him. Exactly right, Jacob. And I was just thinking of the passages there in Matthew the sixth chapter, how that uh, you know sometimes we can put too much emphasis in thinking in terms, well, I got to have a job, I got to work, I got to have a job, I got to make enough to support my family, whatever that job uh, might be, whether it be a job that is. Uh, that a Christian can be uh, have or not, but we can see how that he had, uh, as we talked about earlier, how that God will care for a person. He told them there in Matthew, Christ was telling them in chapter six. He says, uh, you know, don't take any thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, or what the what is for the body. And uh, he talks about how that uh, the the uh, fowls are there, don't prepare, God takes care of them. And he talks about all these things that we're in need of as Christians. If we will seek the kingdom first, these material things will be in our possession. All right, and Phil, another area to think about, you know, maybe we're not working for the, mag- the uh, magazine company that's publishing the nasty magazines, but maybe we're working in a legitimate business. But we've got a job that requires us to to work in ways that it hinders us from doing other things we should be doing as Christians. Maybe it hinders us from worshiping with the saints. Maybe it hinders us from having enough time in our personal lives to study as we should. Or it hinders us from doing other things. We That would be a job that we should avoid as well. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And that kind of leads into workaholism. Um, a little bit, because if we're working all the time, if our job is so demanding that we don't have adequate time uh, to do the things that we ought to be doing, our our daily Bible study, um, our our prayer life, our assembling with other Christians, if if we don't have time to do those sort of things, we need to find another job. Uh, And I know that kind of sounds easy to say from behind a microphone, but but really, in the long run, which is more important? how much you worked and, and how well you did financially, or whether you go to heaven. I mean, when we put it in that context, I, I'm hoping the answer will be obvious to everyone. Well, again, because we're not working to provide a big pile of money for ourselves and provide a big fancy mm-hmm. house. We're working right. to provide for our needs, 
you know what? God's promised that he'll provide for our needs if we'll put him first. And so the objective gets accomplished any way you slice it, Phil. We put God first. Maybe we have to quit a job, but God's promised he'll take care of our needs. Or maybe we can keep that job, and we'll still have our needs, and we'll be able to help others. It, God said that he's going to take care of us. If we're faithful to him, it may not be with a just a, an incredible, like a six-figure income. It may not be something like that. But God has promised he's going to take care of us. And we have to have faith in God that no matter what comes, and, and don't, don't misunderstand, that would be a very hard situation to where you're having a very hard time finding a job uh, that's not immoral or detracting from your spiritual life. But, but we do have to believe Christ whenever he tells us that God will provide for his faithful. We will have food to eat. We will have clothes to wear. We'll have somewhere to sleep. God will take care of us. The righteous uh, aren't seen begging, the scriptures say. God will take care of us. And it, again, it may not be you know, in, in a huge house driving really fancy cars. That, that may not be it. But God will take care of us. He will keep food in our stomach and clothes on our back. And Phil talking about God taking care of us, the passage came to me uh, in um, Hebrews, the 13th chapter, verse 5. He said, let your conversation, or which means your manner of life, be without covetousness, and be content with such things as you have. For he saith, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, I will not fear what man shall do to me. All right. We're not entitled to riches, are we? We're not entitled to those things. But, but God tells us we need to be content with what we have. Uh, contentment will go a long way toward achieving the peace that Philippians 4 talks about. When, when we see that um, this is what God has provided for us and accept that, that doesn't mean that you that that doesn't mean that you're not industrious. It means that if, if God is limiting what you have, be content with it because He's promised to provide for what you need. All right, yeah, that's a good point. The number to call is 931-381-4567 or email questions at collegeview.com. Guys, I want to bring up another question as we talk about our relationship to work, and that is how much should we work? You know, that's a big question for us. Some people want to work all the time. Some people don't want to work at all. How much should we work? Well, it's obvious that we cannot and should not work all of the time because even God didn't do that in the creation of the world in Exodus chapter 20 as it is retold. We read in Exodus chapter 20, beginning in verse 9, Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt do not do any work, thou nor thy son, nor thy daughter, nor thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. In Exodus chapter 20, verses 19 or verses 9 through 11, Phil, we see that God didn't work all the time, and therefore it is reasonable for us to conclude that uh, we shouldn't be required to work all the time either. Yeah, we are not made to work 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. We we are designed to work, but not all the time. God gave us a good example: rest. There should be a time for rest, yes, in moderation, but there should be a time for rest. In the Old Testament, God specifically prohibited the people from working one day a week, the Sabbath day. You know, sometimes it would be nice if someone would tell us, you're not allowed to work, um, because a lot of people will work all the time. But, you know, you get to the other extreme where we have two days off a week, almost a third of our week, uh, double what they had in the Old Testament, and yet some people complain about how short their weekends are. 
And so you kind of get both extremes there. you got people who would work all the time if their bodies would allow it, and then you've got other people who complain that, that two days a week isn't enough. So it's kind of interesting what we see. All right, so we do see a, a very industrious society there in the Old Testament, uh, Mike, where they were working six days out of the week. And so there's nothing wrong with us doing that, but it uh, does show us the fact that we do need to be taking some time to relax. Well, we have to remember that you know we're given responsibilities in in, in certain areas. One is work. Obviously, we have spiritual responsibilities. If uh, uh, you know if you're if you're married and 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 the, and the father or, or the parent uh, of children, uh, you know you have responsibilities. God has given responsibilities to husbands and wives uh, to be you know a father and mother to your uh, you know fathers and mothers to to your children, uh, etc. As far as about working all the time, Jacob, obviously I think you're familiar with First uh, Thessalonians five. 17 it says pray without ceasing well uh, you know, as you pointed out, and I'll give you a plug on your uh, sermon on Sunday morning, uh, uh, as Jacob preached for us on Sunday morning, you know, does that mean that we are to literally play, uh, pray 24 hours a day? Uh, well, and obviously you pointed out no. I think the same thing here. Obviously we have to, you know, we have to look at that and, and, and realize that, uh, that God commands us to be good stewards of the things that we have and the things that we do. And we have to be a good steward to recognize you know, are we working too much? Do we do, do we have too much stuff that we're trying to work for? Uh, Very good. And Mike, too, talking about, you know, it's working too much. You know, there was a case there in the Old Testament where there was an individual on the Sabbath day was picking up sticks. He was to be stoned. They stoned him to death. He was not to be working on that seventh day. That was a day that they were to rest. All right. Well, we got an email from Gordon in Columbia. Gordon references Luke chapter 12, verses 16 through 21, the parable of the rich fool. He asks the question, do you think God would have looked at him differently if he had used his plentiful harvest to help others instead of thinking only of himself? What do you think about that? I think the answer is yes. Yeah. Certainly, uh, God would have not had, I don't think God would have had any problem with him if he'd been busy using that, that those blessings in the service of others. Too many eyes. What could I have done? I, I, I. I think it's about 11 times there that is referred to him. What he had done, he failed to give God the glory. That's what cost him. Let me ask you this. Is there anything wrong with enjoying the fruit of your labor, enjoying the fruit of your work? Uh, the answer you know, to that question is found in Ecclesiastes 2, verse 24, Phil. There's nothing better for a man that he should, than that he should enjoy, should eat and drink and that he should make his soul enjoy good in his labor. This also I saw, that it was from the hand of God. Yeah, I think that's right. So, well, I know it's right because it's from the Scriptures. Uh, But it's okay to enjoy to a certain degree the good of your labor. What the rich fool did in Luke chapter 16 went beyond that. He went beyond enjoying the fruit of his labor. He hoarded up up what he had, and he was selfish. you know, I'm going to tear down my barns and build bigger ones. You have the rich man and Lazarus. Um, Lazarus couldn't even get the crumbs that fell from the rich man's table. That's what he. That's all he wanted, just the crumbs. He couldn't even get that. That's where these rich men have taken, enjoying the fruit of their labor, to to an, uh, a point that it should not be taken. Uh, it is okay. It is acceptable to enjoy the fruit of your labor. The animals were allowed to do that in the Old Testament. Um, the priests were allowed to do that in their work. Uh, ministers of the gospel are allowed to benefit from their work, and we are too. We're allowed to enjoy the fruit of our labor, but we cannot take it to an extreme like the rich fool did. All right. Well, guys, let's take a one last break. We're running out of time. We still have two questions on the table that we need to tackle when we get back. What about a woman 
working outside the home. What do you think about that? Let us know, 931-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. And what about retirement? What do you think about that in relation to what we've said on the program tonight? You think that the traditional view of retirement is a scriptural view in which you pile up a large sum of money for yourself, you move to some exotic island destination, you sit on a beach under an umbrella, and you watch the waves all day until you pass from this life. Is that a traditional view? Uh, that traditional view, is that a scriptural view? Let us know. 931-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. Stay tuned. The virtual Bible study will continue right after this. Did you hear what they just said? Call in during this break and let everyone know what you think. The virtual Bible study continues after this announcement. I'm Tom Goodall, a member of College View's Church of Christ. Do you have a question about what has been said on the virtual Bible study tonight? Perhaps you disagree with something that was said, or would just like more information about what you've heard. If so, we'd love to hear from you. Please contact us with any questions or comments that you might have. Email us at questions at collegeview.com, and we can discuss any of your questions or comments with you privately or over email. Or if you would like to speak with someone in person, call us at 931-381-4567. Our promise to you is that we'll do our very best to give you a Bible answer for anything that we do or teach, and that we'll do so in a loving manner. So if you have any questions or comments about our program tonight or any Bible subject, email us at questions at collegeview.com or call 931-381-4567. Thanks for listening to tonight's virtual Bible study, and we hope to hear from you soon. Hello, this is Preston Jackson from Valdosta, Georgia, and you're listening to the Virtual Bible Study. Share your comment with the world. Call in now and be a part of the Virtual Bible Study. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to the Virtual Bible Study tonight, and we're glad you've joined us again. We're talking about work and our relationship to it as Christians as we try to be pleasing to God in all that we do. What should our attitude towards work and our jobs be? Let us know your thoughts at 931-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. What about a woman working outside the home? What about the traditional view of retirement? We want to tackle those before the top of the hour if we can get it all in. We have an email from Dean. Dean says, some have the idea that one should not work on Sunday. What do you think about that? Brother Haynes, what do you think about that? Should we work on Sunday? In thinking about, uh, you know, as to whether we are scripturally can work uh, on uh, Lord's Day, the uh, first day of the week, uh, you have to look back at the Old Testament, you know, where they were forbidden to do any kind of work on the uh, Sabbath day, the seventh day. But uh, when you come to the New Testament, I would know not of any passage in the New Testament that condemns one working on the first day of the week other than when they would uh, fail to worship God the times that they were to worship with the church that they were a part of. All right. Phil, you got any comments on that? Yeah, I think that's... I would agree with that. Uh, one thing that would, I don't know, might be worthwhile in throwing into the discussion is that the early Christians up through Acts chapter, up before, up until Acts chapter 10, um, appear to all be Jewish converts. Um, they would have all been working on the first day anyway. Uh, the seventh day would have been their day off, and we don't see any record in the New Testament where they were told they had to cease from all labor on the first day. Now, when they came together, that was extremely important. That was something that should not be overridden by work. I don't see any scriptural statement about working on the first day. It's correct that Israel could not work on the Sabbath, um, but Sunday is not the Christian Sabbath. Uh, some people 
kind of term it. Some people term it that, but it's not. And so we need to be very careful about bringing things over from the Old Testament that God has not uh, reiterated in his, in his new covenant. you have any comments about that, Mike? Yeah, it kind of, of course, you, you all pretty much covered it. As I was just thinking about it, it would have to be a pretty... Uh, if that were to be the case today, what, what exactly would would work involve? I mean, are, are we talking about uh, you know that we wouldn't be able to cut the yard or or, or, or something if something needed taken care of around the house? Uh, you know, would would that be it, or is we, are we talking just about you know strictly secular work, uh, something like that? I would have to I think agree here. If uh, you know there, there's no prohibition against it, uh, however, you know I would have to say if if someone did work on on uh, on Sunday, then then certainly they would need to make sure, in my view, that, that it did not interfere you know, with them serving God. All right, uh, guys, let's go to the phones. Let's go down to Zephyr Hills, Florida, and welcome Jim to the program. Hello, Jim. Welcome to the Virtual Bible Study. Hi, how are you? Doing good. Uh, I think First Corinthians fifteen fifty eight is a good scripture uh, concerning people who have retired. Uh, it doesn't say that you... Or to be steadfast and unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord until you retire. But that, I believe, applies to the end of your life, as long as you can abound in the work of the Lord. All right. Excellent, Jim. And, you know, one of those works is to provide for the needs of others. And so, you know, we may not have that 9-to-5 job anymore, but we still have responsibilities to help those who are in need. We still have the responsibility to be servants of others. And so, as you mentioned, even when we're retired, we need to be active in those in those areas. Uh, I'm retired, and I believe that uh, retired people, as long as they're healthy, they they should be able to do more for the Lord after they retire. Exactly. Exactly. So the idea, the traditional view of retirement, that you just want to find a warm place to set and, uh, and watch life go by, certainly isn't something we read about in the Bible. That's right. All right. Thank, well, thank you. you very much. Thank you for listening to Jim and for your call, Jim. 931-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. We want you to weigh in on these issues as we finish up the final minutes of our program tonight. Let us know your thoughts. Again, 931-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. What about uh, what about retirement? You know, one example of retirement, Phil, that we have is, as we mentioned before, the parable of the rich fool. Uh, there's someone who... He had a retirement plan set up in his mind, and he, he, he thought it was all going to work out just fine. God had a different view of his retirement plan. Yeah, I'm, I'm just going to kick back and just take it easy and essentially pig out, to, to paraphrase. Uh, that was not acceptable. God said, Thou fool, this night shall be required of thee. Then who shall these things be which thou hast provided? So he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. If you look at retirement as you being able to sit on the couch and watch soap operas all day, which you probably ought not be watching soap operas anyway, but if you think you can sit on the couch and just watch TV all day, you've got a mistaken view of retirement. Uh, retirement can free you up to do better and different work than you did, than you received wages for when you worked you know, for 40 or 50 years, however long you worked. And so I think the rich fool is an example of someone that you don't want to be at retirement. You do not want to be at retirement sitting on the couch, not doing anything, or just fishing all the time. We need to still be productive in retirement. It just may not be on, in a 9-to-5 job, Jacob. All right, Mike. Uh, 
I just wanted to kind of follow up on what was being said, kind of the the, the exact opposite of, of the rich fool here. In, in Acts chapter 4, uh, verses uh, 32 through the end of the chapter, I won't take time to, to read that, but talking about the church there, I think it's interesting. Verse 32, it says, The multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul, neither said any of them that aught of the things which he possessed was his own, but that they had all things in common. Uh, and then, you know, and of course you contrast that, I think as Arthur pointed out, with how many times the rich fool said, I and my, you know, my, my possessions, everything is mine. Verse 32 here points to those Christians at that time thought of the things that they had weren't their own anyway. They, they didn't come into this world, you know, with it. God gave it to them. Uh, God was mainly, basically just loaning it to them. And then, uh, in verse, uh, in verses, um, 34, it says, neither was any among them that lacked, for as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought them and uh, you know and brought the prices of the things that were sold and laid them at the apostles' feet. So we show the attitude of those people at that time was you know yes I have things but you know they're they're not my own they don't mean so much to me that that I can't get rid of them you know to to certainly provide for other people. You know we could paraphrase the uh, parable of the rich fool like this if it was a parable in the 21st century it might read something like this the job of a certain rich man gave him a plentiful wage and he thought within himself saying what shall i do because i have no room wherefore to bestow my fruits and he said this will i do i will get me a 401k and i'll max it out and i'll get me an ira with bigger mutual funds and there will i bestow all of my salary and i will say to my soul soul thou hast many goods laid up for many years let's get a big house let's move to some place where it's warm and let's eat drink and be merry that's what people in the 21st century are saying, and I believe God would say the same thing to us today if we have that attitude, Thou fool, this night shall thou soul be required from thee. Uh, Jacob also, I reminded the passage in, in Matthew 19, starting with uh, verse 16, said, One came unto Jesus and calling him a good master and says, What shall I do that I might in, inherit eternal life? And he's told him to keep the commandments. And then he started telling him, well, all these commandments I've kept from my youth up. Now, what like I yet? And he says, if I will be perfect, go and sell what thy hath, and come and follow me. And said he went away sorrowfully because he had great possessions. So this is not the kind of work that we want to do and to work at in order to accumulate, to have, and have that kind of attitude that, uh, that uh, we will not uh, serve God because of our riches. We're not willing to share with others. Uh, what God would have us, what He's given us to share with others with. Very good. All right, let's go on to the final uh, question, guys. What about a woman working outside the home? We've talked about it a little bit. Uh, what are your thoughts about that? You know, I think for guidance on this answer, we can look at Proverbs chapter 31, the parable of the virtuous woman. You know, it's important for us to note as we talk about work and we talk about being industrious, that's not gender specific. Men and women both should be working. We all have jobs that we need to be doing. We all have work that we need to be engaged in. If either a man or a woman is slothful, is lazy, is not working as he or she should, they're going to fall under the condemnation that God has placed upon those who are not working. But what about a woman working outside the home? You know, in Proverbs chapter 31, there's a a story of a woman there who was very industrious, Phil, and that industry took her outside the home at times as uh, she's so shown there going out and buying and selling and doing various things. Yeah, that's a really interesting point. Um, I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, just kind of as a, as a side point, uh, it really irritates me whenever I hear people ask a woman, do you work? 
Um, a better if question, don't, do you it, work outside the home? Yeah, right. If, if the answer is no, I don't work, well, you better get busy because God tells you you should. Because you don't work I mean, in the home, do you, Phil? <laughs> I mean, especially if you've got children, you do work. Even if you don't have a job that you go to outside the home, you do work. But, okay, this woman in Proverbs 31, it's, in here it says, She makes linen garments and sells them. She delivers girls to the merchant. So she's actually going outside the home, in this case, to sell the garments that she's made. And so I think that's interesting. Um, she does actually do some work uh, outside the home, Jake. I mean, she's industrious. All right, but we see the purpose of her of her industry, Mike, is to provide for the family and to provide the needs, the needs of the family. Her primary focus, uh, Brother Haynes, is that she needs to be providing and keeping the home. And that's the instruction that was given to her in Titus chapter 2, verse 5, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. And in 2, Jacob, you see, we read earlier where it said there in, in Timothy, you know, if we don't provide for our own, we're worse than infidel, we've denied the faith, so she was providing for her own. All right, but her primary focus uh, is to be keeper, a keeper at home. Exactly right. One of the things, and I think Phil mentioned it too, and, uh, you know, especially what society, for some reason, they put a premium on you're only important if you are, for uh, stay-at-home mothers seem to be somewhat downgraded as, as unimportant or not being very skilled or something like that. In my opinion, uh, the stay-at-home mothers who, who stay with the children all day are the, the most important backbone of the nation, therefore raising the children, uh, etc. What job is more important than, than raising godly children? And yet society and, unfortunately, sometimes uh, Christians as well seem to think that uh, you know, you're not important unless you have some job out you know, out in the secular work for. All right. Well, I think we've had a good discussion. Phil, thank you for joining us over the Internet up in Nashville tonight. Well, thanks for having me. I and, enjoyed uh, it. And appreciate that. Uh, Brother Haynes, thank you for joining us tonight. A pleasure. Thank and, you. And, Mike, thank you for taking time to be a part of the program. Thank you so much. And as we close tonight, let's consider Colossians chapter 3, verses 22 through 25. Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. And whatsoever you do... Do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. Knowing that of the Lord, ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. But he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done, and there is no respect of persons. We understand that we need to be working. As Christians, it is our responsibility to be industrious, to be laboring. We're not designed to be sitting around and just having a life of ease and relaxation. Instead, it is our responsibility to be working, and we encourage you to be busy as you try and serve the Lord your God. We appreciate you for joining us on the program tonight. We hope you benefited from our discussion and from our study of God's Word. We hope you'll make plans to be back here next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And in the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word, the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.